Support for this podcast is provided by Alchemy Interactive, the next generation in one-way digital video interviewing. See your candidates eye to eye before you meet them face to face. I like that line. I like that line. <laughs> Alchemy Interactive enables you to promote your employment brand in the candidate market, ensuring candidates remember you, your culture and diversity. Positively impact your screening efforts with a direct ROI by contacting Alchemy today. Visit alchemy.com. That's A-L-C-A-M-I dot com. We help you pinpoint top talent faster. Woo! Welcome to Tarpod, the podcast for everything talent acquisition and recruitment. We're informative, controversial, and a little bit crazy. Now, please join your hosts and industry leaders, Lauren Sharp and Craig Watson. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tarpod. I'm Craig. And I'm Lauren. Welcome back, listeners. Today, we are very, very lucky, and we've got the lovely ladies from Australia Post joining us, Claire Planasek and Kelly Poplin. Welcome, ladies. How are you? Ooh, bring your house down. <laughs> now, Claire is the Head of Talent Acquisition over at Australia Post and Kelly is a Senior Talent Acquisition Manager, Branding and Diversity hmm, as well. Great. Throw that into your extra long title there, ladies, and welcome, welcome for joining us today. Thanks for having us. So we thought we'd get you guys on board because you do hire quite a few people in one year, don't you? Each year. Bloody big company. Yes, we do. We do about 12,000 hires a year and probably about 35% of that is internal mobility. That's huge for internal Mm. mobility. Mm. Yeah, it's good. That's a great percentage. Yep. Yes. How on earth do you achieve that? I'm sorry, I've got this big shocked look on my face, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we advertise all of our roles internally and so, you know, people have an opportunity and for our frontline positions, they're advertised first internally before we go to the external market. Okay. All right. So that's a a, a full-on company policy here. We advertise everything internally before we go external. That's right. That's right. Well, that's a very, very simple solution to a big problem mm. that a lot of people have, isn't it? It is, I think, yes. <laughs> hey, hey, before we get into the to Australia Post and everything, um, talent acquisition there, do, should we find out a little bit about the ladies' background? I know, background? I forgot to ask yeah, the question, didn't I? I did. Okay, go ahead, Craig, go so on. So we're interested, so everybody who comes on, we like to understand their journey into talent acquisition. So, and we've got two guests today, so why don't we start, um, we'll start with Kelly. Sure. So Kelly, l- looking on LinkedIn, you sort of started in, in legal support before? I did. So yeah. why don't you take us back to that and then what you've done since, real yeah, quick. Sure. I was working in a law firm with the view that I would complete my law degree and then become a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And then I realised that I didn't want to end out <laughs> like some of the people I was working for. Um, and then got an opportunity to work in HR, which was great. And that was in the grad space. Uh, and then, you know, made a decision that that was where I wanted to be and recruitment was, was the thing for me and, and went, went into agency from there, but still supporting the legal industry. Mm. So that's kind of, you know, where the journey started um, and worked in agency for a number of years for the same employer and I loved it and I had a great role. So it's manpower, not, yeah, the, manpower. not the mail review show. Not the mail review show. That no. would have been awkward for me to do that. <laughs> Um, oh my yeah. God, so many things I could say there. Yeah, I know. I know. It was always an interesting conversation talking to people. No, not that manpower. Working for manpower. <laughs> Definitely unrelated. No, and I, and I worked across some um, RPO, so project RPO specifically, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, with a heavy focus on diversity. Claire, how about your background? 
so I've got, a, I guess, an eclectic background. I started my career in child protection. Mm. Wow. And yes, very, very different. And then after, you know, being a manager in that space and supporting, I ran a number of um, family support programs mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to test, I guess, my leadership skills in another environment. And at the time, the Commonwealth Games was on in Melbourne. And so I thought I'd, you know, throw my hat in the ring and see how I go. Which Wait. event? Uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry, we shouldn't laugh. <laughs> And surprisingly, I actually got a job as second in charge of Rod Laver Arena for wow. the Commonwealth Games, which really surprised me. But it was, you know, a great opportunity. It was a one-year position. And Hudson, RPO, were doing the recruitment for Com Games. And so that's how I ended out in recruitment. So one of the general managers at the time was uh, volunteering with us during the, the Commonwealth Games. And we got along really well. And so, you know, before I knew it, I... Ended out working at Hudson in agency recruitment and with Hudson transferred from agency into RPO mm. um, and uh, helped with the um, setup of Macquarie Bank RPO mm. and then transitioned across to Johnson & Johnson and then uh, decided to move back to Melbourne and that's how I've ended out at Australia Post. Now can I go back to the real topics? Go on, sorry. Sorry, not, not that I'm just curious. I've got so many things. I've been dying to get you two on for ages. <laughs> <laughs> Radio, back to that, that lovely big percentage that we were talking about. Mm. So how long have you had this um, policy of advertising for in-house before going to market? It's probably been a long-standing policy. Mm-hmm. In, uh, so the program is called Post People First and it has been around, I'd say, for at least half a dozen years, so before I actually started at Post. Mm. Um, and it's something that, you know, works effectively and is valued. And so we actually have a dedicated internal team just for internal recruitment. Really? A whole team? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, we're talking about 4,000, um, facilitating 4,000 hires a year. So, yes, it takes Well, that actually, um, yeah, that's actually interesting because then it comes back to a topic we spoke to Adam about last week where he was talking about redeployment versus redundancy in the bottom line on how to make things more profitable. So with that in mind, how is that affecting your bottom line and how does that help you guys at Australia Post? In what way do you mean in terms of the fact that we are moving people internally? Yeah, moving it around instead of getting into redundancies. um, Is that winning you favours with the decision makers to be able to have more spend in recruitment and recruitment marketing, those types of things? Is it uh, giving you all the right ticks in the boxes? Look, you know, the way budgets work at Post is pretty uh, flat year mm. on year and it's more around what you prioritise within your own budget to focus on for the year as opposed to, you know, we're, we're a GBE, so we're not flush with money. Oh. So it's not like you can kind of go, I want to do this, you know, amazing thing and there's a whole lot of funds there to do it. It's you've got a budget and you decide what are the priorities for that year. Mm. Okay. And, and does it come with some other challenges, so with internal mobility, with the backfilling of other roles from where they came, or are a lot of those roles winding down? How does that sort of work generally? Uh, no, it's not roles winding down. And so, yes, it then, you know, creates a flow-on effect. Mm. And so, hence, we try to have, you know, as speedy an internal process as possible because we know it will have downstream impacts with others. And do all the internal hiring manage, managers support the policy? So if they're losing someone from their team to go into another team, is it generally received okay? 
I'd give it an 80-20. Still not a bad number. Not a bad number. Now, as I said earlier, I've been trying to get you ladies on board for a while now. So Australia Post Peaks program, also known as your Christmas casuals, that is what really um, piqued my interest with so many people you hire every single year. So what is the volume? Is it 12,000 hires per year? Is that across the board? Um, So how many of that is the Christmas casual program? It's about two to two and a half thousand each year, and particularly the last few years. So earlier on, it was lower numbers, and the last few years, it's, it's between yeah, the two it, and two and a half. It's quadrupled uh, in the last six years. So okay. the numbers have really come up. And does that fall within your remit, Kelly, as campaigns? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yep. Exciting. Biggest campaign we run in the year. Mm. Yeah, by far. All right. Well, tell us the whole ins and outs of this. How did? How, what time of the year do you start? When yep. do you ramp up? All yep. of all of the bits. Yep. I mean, I'm sorry. And what what roles are they too? So they're largely processing roles, so people working in our facilities. Okay. I thought it might have been Santas or something. No, not Santas. Do you want a job, Craig, as yeah, Santa? I do. I do. Well, it's a friends and family referral campaign, yeah, so we can help oh, you out. Oh, beautiful. I mean, I'm, I'm gotten in. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, so, we, so for the business, I mean, peak is really, really starts around October and runs through to January. But for us in talent acquisition, we start, we, we go to market in July and we probably start focusing on uh, you know, kickstarting the campaign in around April, which oh. kind of feels weird because it's not a... It's hot cross bun season in April. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Hot cross bun season starts on the 26th of bloody December. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it keeps yeah. going. So, you know, we call it a Christmas schedule campaign, but actually the effort that it takes to, to pull it together and all of the activity that needs to happen to wrap it up it's, it's almost an annual program. It's pretty big. We convert around 20% of the people that we bring into ca- uh, Christmas casual uh, roles in the first place. So it's actually a massive talent pool yeah. uh, for our for ex- external hiring as well. So starting that early in the piece, if anyone needs to do a ramp up or is thinking of doing something like this, where would they begin? Where would a hiring manager begin? Mm-hmm. So we've got a pretty robust forecasting process and it has been developed over a number of years now. So, you know, originally it was hiring managers coming to us, you know, with numbers in emails. Mm. Uh, Not great when you're managing, you know, 250 hiring managers. So we developed a forecasting tool for them to use and we probably start that process in around May. So the business do forecasting around then. We've encouraged it um, around then for peak period and really we're wrapping that up by mid-June. Okay. Forecasting process, so back and forth with the with the business to understand what their requirements are going to be. So that's kind of the detail around what facilities, what role, what shifts, yep. so that you know we can actually talk to candidates specifically mm. about you know being available at those times. Okay. And do you use any um, third party talent pooling management tools? No, no it's yeah, and and it is a hundred percent a friends and family referral that's campaign, right. and it has been like that since it was set up in two thousand and twelve, and. It's, it's hugely successful. And do you have many people who repeat, like come back Absolutely. year on year? Yeah, so each year we go through a process of going, you know, going out to the people that have worked for us previously, you know, based, based on performance sure. and all of those things and, and invite them back first. And so we probably get about 20 to 25% people coming repeat. back. And we've had probably about 10% of those people have been back for the last three or four years. That is good. And to give you it some is. context, this year we had over 20,000 applications. Yeah, almost 21,000. Mm-hmm. 21,000 applications. Mm. And that's just from internal referrals. Absolutely. Bloody hell, that's a good program. (laughs) So these are coming through a referral program from people already in the business, right? Mm -hmm. 21,000 applied and you hired 
2,300. 2, so you've got 17,000 odd who are unsuccessful. How do you manage that given that they've come from a referral? Correct. Mm. How, do you, how do you manage the communication or the, the rejection? Yeah, very closely. So, you know, these are loved ones of yeah. people working in our organisation. So I guess there's a little extra TLC in through the recruitment process and also the messaging, you know, when it comes to people not making it through. But we do make, you know, every effort to communicate with them quickly. And, you know, as you can appreciate, we're a team of five. So there's five, mm. five people on Gee. the team managing 20,000 applications. It's pretty That's significant numbers. That's, numbers, yeah, they're, they're num- I'm just the numbers. And what, AT- <laughs> what ATS do you use? We use PageUp. PageUp, okay. Yeah. But we also this year introduced an online merit-based assessment tool, which has helped as well. You know, instead of the team having to do a lot of phone screening like they've had to do in previous years, we now use an online assessment tool. So they're really just talking to the people that you know meet the inherent requirements of the mm. role. And so it's much more now of an engagement call as opposed to a screening out call. Okay, so the, all 20,000 people of these pe- are going through this engagement tool? So there's an application and depends on your application whether you're eligible or not. Mm. So, for example, if you're not you know, available enough days of the week to do the casual work, then you know, that might eliminate you if you don't have Australian work rights. Yep. You know, so those you know, sort of obvious things mm. mean people that are you know, not, uh, not suitable and anyone who is suitable based on the application questions then gets invited to do the online assessment. So online assessment, are we talking a sort of a... A questionnaire? Are we talking video? What sort of tools are you using? All of the above. All of the above, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a combination. Okay. Yeah. Tell us how your tech stack works. So we implemented Vervo. So Vervo is the tool that we're using. Uh, yeah, so we, use, we implemented Vervo. So it's actually really a little bit scary actually implementing a new technology into such a large campaign um, and we were kind of going to be the guinea pigs for it this year across TA. But it's been highly successful. So, yes, it's a combination. So it's, it's merit-based. It's based on um, competi- competencies and um, key skills that we're you know, looking to assess. And it's a combination of written response uh, and video interview as well. What percentage of your 20,000 wouldn't even make it that far? Like ruling themselves out for different, like... Probably 50%. Okay. Right. Because the reality is you need to be fairly available. I know it's casual work, mm. but it's not like you can go, oh, I can only work Tuesday afternoons. Like we actually need – so in, in – I think it was December alone we processed 50 million parcels across Australia. Mm. So when we talk about the peak campaign, this is not just a talent acquisition thing. This is really important to the entire organisation and to mm. the nation as well because everyone wants to get their Christmas presents and online shopping. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, the, the programme peak being an Australia Pace program as well as our campaign in talent acquisition, I guess, has high visibility in the organisation mm. because we need to get it right for the Australian community. And it is a lot of, you know, it is a lot of parcels that we process and, you know, some days we would process, I think we had 14 days where we processed over 2 million parcels and we mm-hmm. had, you know, a number of days where we processed over 3 million parcels. So. Yep. Hence, you can't have, you know, casuals kind of opting in and out. Like we, mm. you know, based on forecasting parcel volumes yeah. is how they determine what casuals are actually needed. Mm. So usually when we say casual, we're actually needing someone to be available five days a week and then from there, you know, their shifts will be sorted out. So with this also being running this campaign every year, pretty much all year round, really. So you've got a lot of branding and a lot of recruitment branding coming through in, in your programs and in your 
campaigns. So is marketing on board with you guys or do you have your own dedicated marketing team within recruitment and yeah. TA? So I actually head up the employer branding team as well. Oh, so you're marketing as well. Yeah, little crew, crew working with us. Huh? More, hats. More hats. Just like you. So many hats. <laughs> <laughs> they all make sense to be together though. They do. I, I've got a great job. Yes, very you happy. do. <laughs> All right. So talk to us about the, how you, you're running branding and marketing in the TA function for – so this is great because we all sit back going, oh, I want money for branding. I want money in TA for marketing. And so many don't get it. Mm. So as we all know, at the, R- the same. RL100, <laughs> <laughs> at the RL100, it seems yeah. to be a topic on how do we do things with not much money. Um, yeah. So talk to us about that. How, yeah. how do you target your branding and target your marketing within the TA function? Yeah, sure. I guess we're really lucky that Australia Post has such a strong brand um, in the market, in the community. Mm. So, you know, everyone's kind of a customer. They know who we are. So we don't have really too much of a challenge with attracting people, to be honest. You know, it's more around, and, and, you know, we've we've got an offering in the market that, you know, you can't, can't get anywhere else in Australia. You can't be a postie for any for yep. any other organisation in Australia. So that's that's huge for us, and so that really plays really well for us. Um, where we're probably more challenged from a you know from an attraction perspective, you know, is probably around some of our internal functions. You know, perhaps in you know technology or digital, where we're probably less known um, for that in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we do have to get creative because, like Claire mentioned, um, you know, we get a budget; it's flat every year. Uh, and, it, and it, you know, we need to prioritise things. So I guess, you know, how do we manage that? It's, it's just about a, a constant review, review of, you know, what we've got, what we've got coming up, working really closely with the business to understand what they need um, and what's going to be priority for the next, you know, quarter, six months and ongoing. I think, in, you know, when we've both been at the organisation for two and a half years now and we've got really good at forecasting what you know, we need to do Mm. in the coming year and therefore, you know, when it's, you know, budget time, we've got our forecast ready and we know what we've got going on. But, of course, you know, things happen in the organisation, in the team that are unexpected and so that's where we just review the budget and kind of go, okay, where haven't we spent money and how can we reallocate that to, you know, whether it's a campaign or something else that we weren't expecting to need to do. Mm. Um, But, yeah, after, you know, three budget cycles, you kind of get used to knowing what you need to... (laughs) What you actually need and how, how you're going to make it work. So the other thing that really attracted me to your website when I was doing a bit of research was your self-imposed diversity target. Self-imposed. Oh, I want to know more about this self-imposed because your we thrive on diversity is one of your taglines on the website, mm. which yep. is actually really, really mm. good. And especially when you go beyond the tagline, talking about Indigenous recruitment mm. and programs, it's actually really, really well worth looking at. So I'm, I'm thinking, wow, this is great. You guys have got a handle on this. So talk to me about your self-imposed diversity targets across the LGBTQ, getting more women involved in different areas and more so about Indigenous programs programs. So is that another hat of yours? It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, diversity branding and campaigns, that's me. Yeah. That's that's my gig. Definitely yet yeah, self-imposed. Uh, you know, we've made a commitment to, you know, the board that we would uh, increase female representation in our organisation as well as um, First Nations people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and our goal with First Nation is to get to population parity. Yeah, and that's we're, right. We're pretty close. We're very close. Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we just had a, back to the female side of thing. What percentage are you, are you tr- aiming for, or is it just a, a general number across? Yeah, no, we actually do have a target, yeah. and it is to increase the percentage that we've got. And you've mm. got to, you know, 
So we have about uh, 37% females in our organisation and contextually the the largest part of our organisation is an operational or logistics-styles mm. business. So if you compare that to other like organisations, we probably good. have, yeah, we, we do have a good mm. uh, female representation. Mm. But, you know, our long-term goal is to represent the communities that we live in. So, you know, we've got a, a long-term strategy that we're looking at in terms of increasing female representation. But, you know, we're quite pleased with the progress we're making with First Nation and, mm. you know, know that that'll be the first one we hit in terms of population parity. Mm. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm. So how have you marketed your diversity program into First Nations? Yeah, I mean, there's been a number of things. I mean, we've already got a really well-established internal support for uh, First Nations employees, which is, you know, led by the diversity and engagement team. So I guess our peers in, and people and culture. And, you know, they've done an incredible job of developing out different programs, you know, for people to, you know, not just network, but also develop their careers into. So uh, we've got a leadership program, a number of cadet and apprenticeship programs. So I guess that's easy things to take to the mm-hmm. market to say, you know, the you know, this is how we're going to support support you in your journey at post. Okay. And then, of course, you know, from a talent acquisition perspective, you know, we genuinely welcome applications from you know from from everywhere. And and you know, whilst First Nations is really key for us, um, you know, this year and and it will be ongoing. It's it's not going to be something that goes away. We're doing it for the right reasons, not because it's just target. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, we also do. It's not always about going to the external market. It's also leveraging the the yeah, network we have absolutely. within the organisation. So yeah. one of the things that we've partnered with with our uh, diversity team on is when a First Nations employee commences within our organisation that they reach out to them with a welcome pack and we've given them referral details in there how they can really simply you know just email us with the contact details of someone someone in their network that might be interested in joining the organisation and we'll reach out proactively so it's not kind of like well here's a job and a link and you've got to apply you know we try to make it as you know as easy experience as possible. I think about 20% of the hires this year have been from internal referrals Wow, that's really high, isn't it? That's fantastic. You guys are becoming poster children for good numbers. <laughs> well, you know, when, when you've got big numbers, though, like when yeah. you're in an organisation with a lot of employees and you do a lot of hires, I think, you know, it kind of sounds, you know, sounds good compared to organisations that hire a 1,000 people. And, uh, you know, when you do have 12,000 hires a year, you actually get to do some interesting pilots and they're still on mm. scale. So you might just choose a location and do a pilot, but it might be 40 highs or 500 highs and then you can scale that out from yep. there. So whereas in an organisation of 1,000, when you're trying to do something different, it might be one or two hires. Mm. And if it doesn't work, mm. then that's, it's that absorbed. kind of shuts it down. Mm. Whereas with us, if we're doing something where it's 40 hires and it's 80% successful, then you just tweak the 20% and you can roll it out further. So I think when you work in a high-volume space, you have a lot more opportunity to try different things and then scale it up. Today's podcast was brought to you by the good people at Alchemy. Alchemy's on-demand digital interviewing application connects job seekers directly with your company. See your candidates eye-to-eye before you meet them face-to-face. And to get your demo, visit alchemy.com. That's A-L-C-A-M-I.com. We help you pinpoint top talent faster and tell them Tarpod sent you. Thanks for listening to Tarpod. Please don't forget to subscribe and look out for upcoming podcasts. Go ahead. Of course now my throat's gone all. Sorry. Are you scared? No, I'm not scared. Oh, don't make them shit their pants. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>